Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Are you ready for the word? Come. Just close your eyes for a moment. Father, we thank you for your word, your presence in this place, O oh Lord. Thank you, O oh Lord, that you breathe your spirit on your word. And I pray not only the word, but the anointing of the spirit will touch each and every person, O oh Lord, and bring us to the experience and the revelation of this word in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, turn to Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 to 3 again. I want to talk about engaging with the glory of the Lord. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you. This is his promise for us this year. That he will arise over us, and his glory will be seen upon us. And we saw yest, last, last Sunday that it is possible for God's glory to be seen in and through our lives because of the grace of God. The word glory has two mysteries that are contained in it in the Hebrew. One is that God covers us so that even when we are experiencing His glory, we are protected by His grace. We do not have to fear judgment or wrath. The other mystery is that God's glory is revealed in the cross wherein the hand of God opens the way for us, a doorway into a new life called everlasting life. Amen. So it's because of the grace of God, it's because of the cross that you and I are able to experience the glory of God in our lives. And when I say glory, <clears throat> there are so many different ways that we can experience it. We can understand it. We can see it in our lives. Remember that John, the disciple of Jesus, was one of the three that saw the glory of Jesus Christ when he was transfigured on the mountain. Now John also writes in John chapter 4 verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the father. Full of grace and truth. So in the Hebrew the word kabod. In Greek the word doxa. They mean the same thing. The glory of the Lord is the sum of all his attributes and all his perfection. So it literally means the heaviness of God, the weight of God. If God were to sit on you, literally, how would your life change? And how would your life be transformed? And how would every aspect of your life continue to change? Important to just imagine that even for a moment. 
Because in the Old Testament, when the Ark of the Covenant of God was kept in the house of Obed-Edom for three months, only three months, the Bible says that his house was so blessed. He was blessed. His wife was blessed. His kids began to be blessed. His goats were blessed. His chicken was blessed. His pork or his pig was blessed. Of course, they don't keep pigs with them, but just imagine that he was an Agarai. <clears throat> his lipata was blessed. Everything was so blessed that word came to the king that Obed-Edom is being so blessed and David was filled with a jealous, a positive good jealous that he wants the Ark of the Covenant to come to Jerusalem. So this same author, John, he talks about the glory of God in his gospel, the gospel of John. And he says when, when Jesus turned water into wine, all right, you can see that in John chapter 2 verse 11, the beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now, nothing was shining out of Jesus physically in the wedding at Cana. All he did was perform the miracle of turning water into wine. But that miracle in itself was a display of the glory of God for whoever could see. The glory of God is not only seen by spectacular acts or by shining glorious testimonies here on the stage or wonderful displays of power. It's reflected from our lives when there is something of the divine that you will see in your life and people will begin to also see through your life. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11 verse 4, Jesus says this, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. So, John shows us that the glory of God was revealed in the acts of Jesus, the words of Jesus. The behavior of Jesus. And of course, supremely revealed finally on the cross. On the cross. Because before he was betrayed, Jesus said in John chapter 13, Now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. So, the cross. Do you know that all the wisdom of God the power of God, the love of God, the compassion of God, the justice of God, the wrath of God, the anger of God. All of that is displayed on the cross. That is the place where we see love and justice meet. Righteousness and peace meet. The anger of God and the compassion of God, it meets at the cross. So the cross is really a display of the glory of God. So if you and I have received Jesus as a Lord and Savior, how many of you have done that? That provides a place, an entrance for the glory of God now to invade our lives. 
Now, you have heard this saying. If you have been in church circles in Nagaland, evangelical Christianity for some time. We must live for the glory of God. Everything we do is for the glory of God. Have you heard the statement? Yes or no? Yes, that is true. Absolutely true. All right. We live for the glory of God and everything we do is not for our glory, our pride, but for the glory of God. However, that does not mean that we are to debase ourselves and count ourselves so unworthy and so hopeless and make ourselves so poor, unworthy of God to use us in powerful works of miracles and signs and wonders or even great works of faith missions and so on because we are only to live for the glory of God and we have to be very careful that we don't allow any blessing or any anointing or any way that God uses us to take away from the glory of God and we know that's true but if we have this understanding that we live for the glory of God and His glory is so far removed from us and it is not something that we can expect. It's not something that we can enjoy or experience in our lives because we are only to live for the glory of God. That's not a very complete understanding of His glory will be seen upon you. Alright? Because the Bible gives us sufficient evidence to believe that after we are born again, our lives can be completely, radically transformed to the point where the divine, the divine invades our life. And every aspect of our life can have a touch of the divine. I want you to lift up your faith today to believe that this is possible for you. Now, if you look at Exodus chapter 33, don't look at your watch, right? Exodus chapter 33, if you read from verse 17 to 23, Moses asked the Lord, show me your glory, right? I've read this to you before. When I was talking about the glory, Moses said, show me your glory. So what did God say? I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand. For no man can see my face and live. Because that's the awesome fear that the glory of the Lord should instill in us. But at the same time, not a fear in which we run away from God, a fear in which we are drawn to God. That we cannot live without Him. And that's why we must be intimate to Him. And that's why we must go to Him. So God told Moses, I'm going to cover you. I'm going to make all my goodness pass before you. So Moses went up on the mountain. Exodus chapter 34 verse 1 to 2. Moses went up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Everyone say 40 days and 40 nights. Alright? If Moses can be 40 days and 40 nights in the presence of God, what is one hour today, right? Two hours. 
All right, so Exodus chapter 34. Are you there? So he's up there on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Now go to verse 28. Because God told Moses to come on the mountain wherein he's going to make due tablets of the Ten Commandments. Now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. Because he was in the very glory of God for 40 days and 40 nights. He was like wrapped up in a bubble. Like when we are so cold in winter, we cover ourselves with blankets. He was wrapped up in the glory of God for 40 days and 40 nights. The very presence of God. And when he came down, he was not aware that his face was shining, reflecting the glory of the Lord. It was shining through his face. Moses was only aware of one thing. God's presence for 40 days. He wasn't aware of himself. He wasn't looking to himself. He was looking to God. He was beholding God. And as he was beholding God, his countenance began to change. So that the people began to see it. Look at verse 30. When Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. So his face shone. Now, look at Mark chapter 9, verse 2 to 3. Mark chapter 9. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, another mountain. Moses went up on the mountain. Peter, James, and John, another mountain. The mountain often is symbolic of seeking God. In a personal face-to-face -face encounter. Seeking God with desperation. If there are some of you here, you are desperate about your life. You've tried everything and it hasn't worked. You need to go up on the mountain. You need to see God on your own. On your face. On your knees. And seek His presence. Amen. He was transfigured before them. Everyone says transfigured. That word means transformed from within. It was not an external glory. It was an internal glory. It was transformed from within. His clothes became shining exceedingly white like snow. So in other words, he began to radiate from within the glory of the Lord that he carried. We know that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Amen. That's the mystery of the incarnation. That God could become man. And in one person of Jesus Christ, bring redemption for mankind. Hallelujah. Amen. So, we see here a difference. Because both these transfigurations, Moses in Mount Sinai and then Jesus, are types of two kinds of glory. First is the old Testament glory, which was an external glory. Moses went up on the mountain. He was in the glory of the Lord. And he began to shine with the glory of the Lord. But 
Moses' glory, it faded away. It was a temporary glory. It's also a type of the glory of the old covenant, which comes from the law, keeping of the works. All right? Because Paul says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. However, the glory that we see in Jesus is a New Testament glory. Can you say amen? It was internal. Internal. Jesus shone from within. This comes from the new covenant of grace. Now, what does this mean for us today? When you are born again, John chapter 1, verse 13. Can you look at that? John chapter 1, verse 13. The Bible says, We are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but we are born, born of, come on, say it louder, born of God. God has given birth to us. Born again, that's what Jesus says, born of the Spirit. So if you are a believer in Christ, you now have the same image as Christ. You bear the image of God in your spirit. You are made, in other words, of the same substance as Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 4, the Bible says we have the same divine nature as God. The same divine nature as God is in us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, We are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. I'm not talking about your body. I'm not talking about your emotions. I'm talking about your spirit. Can you say amen? The core of your being, the real you. Many of you have not even been introduced to your spirit. <laughs> because you're only aware of your flesh and your soul. But your, your true identity, your true being is the spirit man. The spirit man. Because God is spirit. God created us in His image. God created us as spirit beings. So that spirit man has been recreated in the image of God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Now, why am I saying this? I'm saying this to show you that now in the New Testament, the glory of God dwells in you. The glory is not something that is external from us. It is domiciled in us. It is in us. Christ in you, Colossians chapter 1. Paul says, the hope of glory. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Like I said last Sunday, if you have Christ, then there's always the expectation of new things and good things to come. There's always the expectation of the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord means His presence, His power, His goodness, His favor, His touch in every area of our lives. Yes, there is imperfection along with it. Yes, we go through trials along with it. Yes, we battle with sickness and we battle with 
scarcity and we battle with persecution and we battle with the enemies along with it. However, in the midst of all the negativity we go through in this life, yet Christ in us gives us the expectation always of good things to come. Things to change in our lives. And since it's from within, it's an internal work first before we see it externally. Amen. See, the New Testament glory that we carry is a permanent glory. It is not a temporary glory. It is not a glory that vanishes. But it increases from glory to glory, from dimension to dimension, from level to level. It's a glory that excels the glory of last year. It's a glory that can excel the glory of your youth days. Why is it that so many believers in Nagaland, their most revival times were when they were in the youth group? When they joined the government, they lost the revival. When they got married, they lost revival. And they said, like, oh, I wish I was single in the youth group again. I was so full of fire for God. I was always praying. I was always worshiping the Lord. But after I got married, suddenly I lost all that fire. No, it's not the fall of the marriage. You did not learn to walk with God and navigate the different seasons and the different challenges that come in the different levels of natural life because even after you leave your youth group and you join the government, there are different challenges there. Amen. So your faith needs to grow to engage with the challenges in the government. Your faith needs to grow to engage with the challenges of earning an income, navigating a business, Living in a marriage where it's difficult sometimes to get along. And you cannot blame the marriage. You cannot blame that person. Your faith has to grow. Your revelation of God has to grow. Your intimacy with God has to grow. Your capacity to handle the different challenges of life has to grow. And that's what Paul meant in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 18, when he said that when we behold the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So, what you got when you were born again? God wants that to excel from dimension to dimension, from level to level. Unfortunately, most of us can remember that the most intimate, passionate times we had with God was the initial few months after our conversion. What happened? Look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18. The path of the righteous is like the shining sun. The path of the righteous. How many righteous people do we have in church today? Can I see your hands? All the righteous people, can I see your hands? Yeah, if you are born again, you are righteous. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you born again? Did they say yes? 
Then tell them, then you are righteous. Righteousness is a gift. It is not something you earn by your perfection. So if you're born again, you're righteous. Can you say amen? Amen. So the path of the righteous is like the shining sun. Some translation says, like the morning sun. Like the dawn that breaks and it begins to shine. And that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The perfect day refers to the noontime when the, shine, the sun is brightest. That means the path of the righteous is a path that must shine exceedingly in glory. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Because the glory of God that has been deposited in your spirit is a permanent glory. Hallelujah. The nature of God within you God has put in you a capacity that if you will learn to exercise your faith and exercise your spirit and walk with God consistently, you will experience a life that shines brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. Can you say amen? Now what this means is this. Yesterday cannot be better than today. Last year cannot be better than this year. If your mindset has been adjusted to thinking that the past is always going to be better than the future, something has killed your faith and your hope. It is not meditating on the truths of Scripture. No matter what challenges you face, no matter whether your legs get weaker and your knees get weaker as you grow older in age, your mind should never be focusing on the natural progression of life wherein people shine in their youth and then they fade away in old age. Our mindset must always be configured to the Spirit. Can you say Amen. Amen. To the spiritual things. And yes, we understand that physically we get weaker. Yes, we understand that as we age, we don't have the same vigor for the things that we did when we were younger. But I'm talking about the spirit. I'm talking about the spirit. I'm talking about your internal life. I'm talking about your life of faith. Yesterday can never be better than today. Irrespective of where you come from, what your past is, what your circumstance. Hallelujah. See, the outlook of a believer is always to be in front of him, not behind. We are never to live our lives looking behind. Looking behind. When Christ is in our life, even if yesterday you failed miserably, yet you pick yourself up, you repent, and you look ahead with hope, expectation, confident expectation, expectation with joy in your heart of glory.
Can you say Amen? This is what it means to be living in the glory. Hallelujah. See, do you know who you are? You are a child of God. You're born again of His Spirit. His nature is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. Christ lives in you. Hallelujah. That means no matter what has happened, how discouraging your past, your family, your background, you cannot live in that. You cannot dwell in that. You cannot allow that to determine your faith and your outlook of life. From the moment you become born again, your outlook of life is determined by one fact and truth. God lives in you. Christ lives in you. And if you will sufficiently engage with the Spirit of God in your heart with faith and exercise your spirit, your path, your life can get better and better and better and better and shinier and shinier and shinier and you can go from glory to glory. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We all with unveiled face. What does it mean to have an unveiled face? It means to be born again. Moses had the face that was veiled so that the Israelites could not see the glory of the Lord. It refers to the veil in the heart that they are not born again so they don't see spiritual things. But if you are born again, it means God has opened your spiritual eyes to see Jesus. Do you believe that? Yes, that means we all with unveiled face means with recreated spirits in the image of God, we are able, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. God's will is that we are transformed from glory to glory. Turn to your neighbor and say, glory, glory. Glory to glory, glory to glory, glory to glory, from level to level. Transformed, it means from within. It's talking about an internal work first. Talking about character, talking about morality, talking about attitudes from within. As you walk with God, God's going to change you. See, when you talk about glory, sometimes... Christians will look more for a miracle or a blessing, a financial miracle, something external. Or they will look for angels. They will look for shining clouds of glory first before they allow the Spirit of God to work within. And yes, those things also happen. The blessings, the touch of God, the supernatural. But it happens simultaneously with the Spirit of God working within. Working within. And if you would prioritize, I would say that the Holy Spirit working within you is more important than even the things that you see outside you most of the time. You know why? Do you know that the Israelites also saw the glory of God? The Israelites saw Mount Sinai. 
thundering, covered with a cloud. The Israelites saw the cloud by day, the fire by night. And the Israelites, seeing the glory of God, they also worshipped God. The Bible says that when the cloud would come upon the tabernacle, the tabernacle of meeting, and Moses would enter into the tabernacle to talk with God, every Israelite would kneel down by the entrance of the tent to worship God. So it was not that the Israelites did not see the glory of God, but the interesting thing to notice is that only Moses' face was changed. The face of the Israelites did not change. Are you with me? Christians in church, they come. They hear the word of God. They hear about the testimonies of God. They hear about the works that God is doing in the nations. And these are all talking about the glory of God. They hear testimonies of healing, testimonies of miracles, and they're so blessed. And you go home and say, I'm so blessed. Right? But do you know that you can experience all of those things and yet not be transformed? Yet not change in your life. See, when we talk about a year of exceeding glory, it is not only something that excites us. It is an invitation into deeper intimacy. It is an invitation into knowing God more. It is an invitation to come up the mountain. Everyone, it's an invitation for us all to walk up to the mountain like Moses and spend time with God. How can I live in the glory of God? It's only one word I can find in my heart. It's called intimacy. Intimacy. It's called starting a journey with God. A journey wherein you tell him, I want to know you. With everything I have, with every desire I have, I want to know you, God. And I want to walk with you. It's more than just asking for healing. It's more than asking for a job. It's more than asking for money. It's more than asking for God to bless your family. God is inviting us into a life of prayer, a life beholding the word. Because I tell you, transformation. Why is transformation so important? It's because the transformation that God will do in your life will protect you from the trap the enemy is preparing for you. How many of you know God has a plan for your life? Can you see your hands? How many of you know the devil also has plans for your life? Yes. The devil has a plan for your life. He has a plan to make you fail. He has a plan to trap you in sin. To trap you in an offense. So the transformation that you go through, because Satan cannot trap you just like that. He has to use something that is in you. Did you know that? Satan uses 
what he has observed in you, in your family. And he will use that as information to create a trap for you. See, if you don't like pork, no need to cook pork for you, right? So Satan also knows whether you like pork or not. I'm talking metaphorically. Satan knows your points, what you like, where your hidden sins are. Satan knows. And he will use your information against you. So those are the things that must be circumcised in the presence of God. So when God invites you to come spend time with him, it's because God knows. Like Moses, in the very presence of God, the Bible says, beholding the glory of the Lord. Beholding the glory of the Lord means face to face. We are transformed by the Spirit of God. See, there are many motivations for Christians to go to prayer homes, to go for fastings. It usually is guilt. Sometimes it's fear. If you don't fast for seven days, something bad will happen to you. Fear. Fear drives people to prayer homes. Guilt drives people to prayer homes. And sometimes it's also fleshly motivation. Some blessings. You'll get some blessings. So it drives people to prayer homes. Many politicians are seeking prayer right now. The motivation is not right. Externally, everyone looks like, oh, they're seeking God. But I tell you this, motivations that come from fear and guilt and gain, fleshly gain, it will not bring lasting glory. It will fade away, the blessings from that. So you can spend 40 days in a prayer home, come out, and after two months, fall again. Are you with me? See, when we behold the glory of the Lord. So, our motivation for change is not, I want to change. It is this, I want you, God. I want you, God. I want to behold the glory of God. I want to spend time with Jesus. I want to know you, Lord. The reason I'm praying is because I want you. The reason I'm fasting is because I want you. I want you. I want you. And as you do that, the Spirit of God works by His grace within you. And when the Spirit of God does a genuine work, you do not fall back to those same sins. Hallelujah. So two main things. Number one, the Word. How do I behold the glory of the Lord? Ah, it's so vague. How do I behold the glory of the Lord? Come up and look at the lights. The lights are glorious, Pastor. How do I behold the glory of the Lord? Right? Many people are confused. It's very simple. Do you want to know? This heavy revelation? Alright? Now, the Bible says God is a God of glory, right? Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says, Jesus is the brightness of the glory of God. Can you say Amen. Jesus is the brightness of the glory of God. John said in John chapter 1 verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and when we see Jesus, we see 
the glory of God. So the glory of God is imprinted in Jesus. Now are you with me? The glory of Jesus is imprinted where? In the Word. So how do I behold the glory of the Lord? How do I behold the glory of the Lord? Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. You have to behold. The word behold means to look intently as in a mirror. How many of you, when you look into the mirror, you look at the mirror or you look at yourself? Huh? How many of you look at the mirror and say, oh, this mirror is so nice? No, we don't look at the mirror. We don't look at the surface. We look inside the mirror, right? Because there's depth in the mirror. We see the person in the mirror and we see all the different aspects of how we look, how our clothes is. So we are looking intently inside. So beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, it's talking about a gazing, a gazing, a looking that is intentful. It is meditation. It is deep. You have to look. See, the glory of God is imprinted on Jesus. The glory of Jesus is imprinted in the Word. That means I have to spend time face to face with the Word. Face to face with the word. I have to be face to face with the word because when you're face to face with the word of God, something from the word will come forth. Not just Bible verse, not just scripture knowledge, Jesus. That is what will transform you. Some of you have 20 Bibles in your house, but you still act like you know what I'm talking about. Just having Bibles in your house is not going to change your life. Look at this slide that I made. Optical illusions. Alright? Now, if you look at these optical illusions, what figure do you see here? See, if you want to see what is inside there, you have to really look deep. You have to go close to it. Close to it. You have to gaze into it for a few seconds, sometimes even a minute, and then the image that's inside will pop up. And the image that's inside here is the letter O. Look at the next slide. You guys are not starting from the beginning. Please start from the beginning, guys. The slide. Go back to the beginning. Go to the next slide. Which... Yeah, this is the beginning. Which letter is the letter O? The next one. Which object is inside here? If you look closely, now it's difficult because you guys are on angles. But if you look intently into the picture, those of you are watching on YouTube, keep on looking intently. And if you look intently at this, a teapot will come up. It's hidden in this optical illusion. The next... What animals inside here? If you gaze into it, you gaze, you gaze intently and you have to look inside the picture. You will find a goat is inside that. Now, just using that as an illustration of how Jesus is here. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. That means when you are looking into the scriptures, 
studying it, reading it, read it, thinking that the scripture is a doorway to engaging with a person. That's the way transformation takes place. You have to be face to face with his word. There is no other way around it. Oh, I wish we could just lay hands upon you a thousand times and you will transform. It will not. Laying hands helps. The Lord puts something upon you. But yet, there is no other way out of it. You have to spend time in the Word. And Naga Christians are so lazy. For the most basic things, we just want something quickly. Someone will do for us. So we're having problems. We'll just go quickly to Assam, meet some rich doctor, get the problem solved, come back and repent. But that's not God's ways. See, when you look for solutions outside of God, it will bring bondage in your life. And Satan can also bring supernatural solutions in your life. All of those things are possible. Every source of power is not from God. Don't be fooled. Every source of wisdom is not from God. The Word. The Word. Face to face with the Word. And when you are face to face with the Word, specifically talking about the Gospel. The Gospel. The light of the Gospel shall shine upon your heart. That's what Paul is saying. The good news. It will transform you from glory to glory. And the second is prayer. Can you say prayer? Can you say prayer again? There is no substitute for prayer. The word alone is not enough. That's one side of the coin. But the word will provide a platform for you where you begin to engage with God in a life of prayer. The word of God will become the runway where your plane of prayer has to take off. Without prayer, all your Bible reading becomes just ideas, concepts. But as you pray, because that is where you're exercising your spirit, man. To commune with God. Fasting. Powerful things begin to take place because the Holy Spirit begins to make the Word a reality in your life. See, many times we skip Simple things like, oh, read the word and pray because we want to go on to more spectacular teachings. But I tell you this. The simple things are also the more complicated things because the simple things our flesh don't want to do. But your deepest encounters with God, your deepest breakthroughs with God, you will experience when you do these simple things with all your heart. 
and with all your soul and you do it consistently. Because when you develop a lifestyle of prayer, you're going to build communion with the Spirit. That's when the Spirit begins to take over. You begin to share a life with Him. He will begin to share God's power, God's wisdom, God's truths, God's life to you. And that's where the transformation takes place. If you will commit to a consistent life of prayer, let's say one hour every day for six months, I tell you, you will be shocked at the kind of change that you will see in your life. You'll be shocked at the kind of development and advancement in the spirit that happens in your life. And it is going to be more internally where fear, worry, all of those things are going to leave you in security. You're going to be established in trust, in faith, in security. You're going to understand the things of God, the word of God, faith. And when those things are encapsulated here, your external life will begin to change. Your external life will begin to have the breath of God upon it. Your finances, your relationships, the things that you have been praying for in your relationship and finances, I tell you, will be dealt from within. Not somebody coming and handing you an envelope. See, most of you are praying for your financial problems to be solved by God sending a rich uncle that will just come and give you money. That will not solve your financial problems. Because if you don't build your maturity and understanding in the word and character, how to handle your finances, people giving you money will cripple you. And that's not God's best. God's best is to build you from within so that you have the wisdom to handle the gifts, the investments that God will bring into your life so that you can manage it with the wisdom of God like Solomon did. And increase it from glory to glory. You see, the, the mind that God has given you, the gift that God has given you, God wants to give you the faith, the ability, the capacity to use that because that's where your prosperity is going to come from. But most of you are expecting prosperity to be the roadside that you see a, you see a briefcase full of money. Wow, God, miracle. That will not prosper you. God gives you the ability to get wealth. He doesn't give you wealth. The Bible says God gives us the power to get wealth. That means God, as you sow into the offering, He's able to make all grace abound towards us. That means He gives us grace, ideas, thoughts, gifts. He gives us, He gives us those things that explode from within. But then, your, a life of prayer, a life of faith, understanding of the word is what's going to build that. Enable you to put that into practice. The blessed life comes a lot from hard work, okay? But hard work through the grace of God. You have to use this. You have to use this. By the Spirit of God, working from within. Giving you the wisdom to choose what is good for you and what is not right for you. Why do people make wrong choices? Because internally, they have insecurity. And so they choose the first husband that comes. 
Even knowing that that person is not going to be good for you. Because of insecurity here that maybe no one else will ask me. You just say yes. And then you bargain for a life of problems. It's here. That place of faith and trust and stability that God will build in you through a life of prayer and the word. That is where your life is going to shine forth from. This is where you're going to experience the glory of the Lord. And yet we always look for external things rather than here. Your life with God. Your life with God. Your life before God. Your hidden life. Your internal life. Your faith life. Your internal life with God. That is the most important. Do you know that people with spiritual gifts can be very insecure? Full of jealousy. Powerful preachers are filled with jealousy. And Satan can provide sufficient Situations where those jealousies will come forth. Those insecurities will break out. And people will say things or do things that will sabotage the ministry and the career. Are you following me? God is inviting us into a life of the word and prayer. Because it is in that place he's going to build a city here. A city. A city of faith. He's going to build a skyscraper of faith. He's going to build a tower of faith and trust and love here. Out of which it will shine forth the glory of the Lord. So you will be living for the glory of God. But also living in the glory of God. And living from glory to glory. That is possible for every Christian. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for being so attentive. 1230, I know, but hey, it's practice for heaven. In heaven, you're going to be in the presence of God all the time, right? How many of you are blessed today? Hallelujah. Are you blessed? Glory will be seen upon us. That's an invitation. An invitation to come closer to the Lord this year. Intimacy. To seek Him. Above all things. A life of prayer. A life of seeking through the Word. And I tell you. What may seem like a burden that you do every day, prayer and the word, prayer and the word, that burden that you carry, that very burden is going to be the cause of your shining. That very burden that you seem to carry is going to be the cause of your strength. That very burden that you seem to carry will transform you into a person that is so different that the world will look at you and see God upon your life. 
you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do it. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.